following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North. STP AM 1500. Oh, hi. Who is it? This is the place to talk about everything related to the home. Buying or selling real estate, financing, and improvements that can help increase your home's value. I'm gonna make this place your this is Minnesota Home Talk on Score North. Here's your host, Jason Walgrave. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Minnesota Home Talk here, 1500 Score North Radio. I'm your host this morning, Jason Walgrave. Is that what it said? Ah, uh, close enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm tr- I'm trying to grow my beard out so I could look more like him. <laughs> I got a little more gray though than he does. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Just for men? Maybe just get the just for men out. Try that? No, mm. I like it, man. It's it's modern. This is this is 2021. It's a 2021 look right now. See, Perfect. I'm thinking I'm thinking a little bit more budget conscious. I would just you know use a sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get those nice defined lines. No, you're right. You just, yeah, you know, and it, it's a good. Maybe I can get my kids involved. Give them something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, on the weekend. It's mea. Hey, hey, kids! Why don't you color in dad's beard with a sharpie? Should be a fun time. Yeah, yeah, good coloring project. Yeah, good coloring project. Yeah. So I'm your host, Mike Overson with Luminate Home Loans, actually, this morning. In studio with me, no stranger to our real estate market, no stranger to the show, is Mr. Kelly Beck with Remax Advantage Plus, Walgrave Real Estate Group. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. You told me you couldn't sleep last night because you were... So desperately excited to be on the radio with you fine people, of yes. course. Yes. Not just the radio. Online as well. Yeah. In I your... see that you showered this morning, which is good. I mean, I don't usually shower around the office, so it's right. noteworthy. Hang on. You see that he showered? Does that imply that, that Kelly, do you walk around like an Oliver Twist character just covered in grime? <laughs> I have my bowl out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're in, same, around. we're in the same office building together. You, I mean, it's not a requirement. Seeing that someone didn't shower, that's scary. Behind the, it was better than smelling, first of all. No, and but that's more normal. You know, you can, you know, someone goes to the gym, they haven't showered afterwards, you can tell, but you can't necessarily see it until you're too close. I'm, I'm often in sweatpants at the office, like, like a shockingly large amount, I will say. So this is not quite the strange observation you'd think, and it's probably more of a reflection of how I conduct myself professionally on a day to day than anything else. Well, I love it. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. We're also going to talk about uh, the four biggest obstacles that homeowners face when selling a house on their own. And if we got time, we're also going to get to seven fixes to avoid major foundation problems. Um, but we're always going to take your calls and your questions here live uh, during our show. So you can give us a call at any time during the show. That number is 651-647-2910. Again, 651-647-2910. We're going to give away two pairs of T-Wolves tickets, who are undefeated, mind you. Yeah, they're batting a 1,000 right now. It's that's, amazing. That's right. They're undefeated this year so far. So we're going to give away two pairs uh, of tickets, two pair of tickets to the T-Wolves here coming up uh, one of their next games. You can also text us then with your questions as well. So that text line is 612-202-8321. Again, 
202-8321. Calling or texting with a question will get you in the running for those T-Wolves tickets. You can also connect with us on Facebook. So we were on a Facebook Live. You can go to uh, Jason Walgrave's page. You can go to my homepage. Um, and you can watch us live here in the studio this morning. And you can also comment and ask questions through Facebook. Now, Facebook does not get you in the running for the tickets. Um, but nevertheless, we will answer any questions that come through on Facebook as well. So again, that phone line, 651-647-2910. And the text line is 612-202-8321. And I think we're going to get right into it, Evan. Yeah. Got that fire extinguisher? Nope, forgot it again. Dang it. But that's all right. The deals can continue to burn. You're supposed to ask, no, why? Well, I know. I know why we've been through this. Because <laughs> we're going to go through hot deals That's next. That's right. It's hot listings. <laughs> All right. So for your hot listings this week, we have 4852 Wellington Court in Egan. Uh, beautiful, classic four-bedroom, four-bathroom um, house. Shade under 3,000 square feet. Going further out, we're going to go to 548 8th Street Southeast in Cocado. Six bedrooms, two bathrooms. Uh, a lot of great value uh, just south of the Cocado Museum there. Um, we're also going to go out further, too, out to Red Wing. This is a beautiful, unique property out at 27858 Greens Point Road. Um, two, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, four-stall garage, an incredibly unique property. You probably have never seen anything quite like this. It's a really beautiful location. Uh, Mike, jump in. And this one, I believe, has, what, 400 feet of lakeshore it's it's an entire point just for you right on lake pepin there and have you ever seen have you ever seen this much sand on a minnesota lakeshore before no no it's pretty remarkable too because when you look at the overhead shots it is like the house is in the middle of a private beach yeah Yeah, and that's what we're showing right now on the stream you can't see it yeah it's directly behind my head but but trust me this is a super cool property on a, a one-of-a-kind lot. It's yeah, absolutely. also, I, I pointed this out a couple weeks ago, it's also a three-story house mm-hmm. as opposed to a two-story. So if you're on the top level of this house, you're going to have an unparalleled view of the lake. Yeah, this this is definitely one that you look up online and you share because your right. friends are going to get a kick out of it. It's pretty sweet. Um, going over to, back to Prior Lake, we have 6540 Harborview Circle. Um, it's an outstanding association, pool, uh, private docks, um, a really interesting place and, and a way to get on the lake, which is very difficult to do right now in our markets. Um, we'll go out to 39629 State Highway 18 in Aiken, another beautiful lake property. I'm seeing a pattern here. This seems like uh, we should be getting on lakes, guys. Uh but yeah, it's it's a beautiful space out there. Um, new construction back on Sumter Avenue in Savage. Uh, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, three stall garage, beautiful floor plan. If you're looking to custom build, um, that's going to be a great spot for you to do it under a mill too. This yeah, this one here, uh, this one is a Pebble Creek custom home. This is probably my favorite floor plan of mm-hmm. theirs. I've been inside uh, an exact house that they built. Um, this exact floor plan, and this house is amazing. If something like this came up, I would think about moving. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those two that's striking in a way that's not going to be dated. Um, so one thing that Pebble Creek does really, really well is they have really kind of bold design features, but things that are going to age well. Um, we've all been through some of those neighborhoods where things look like they're straight out of Miami Vice, but they still <laughs> cost about a million and a half to two million. Yep. Uh, this floor plan specifically in Pebble, Pebble Creek, generally, you're not going to run into that at all. Um 
Rounding it out here, uh, we have a couple lots. Uh, great lot over at 16037 Sims Court and Prior Lake. Uh, I believe it's an open build, but it's a nice area over there by the two middle schools, if I'm thinking of it right. And there's another one, another lot in this awesome cul-de-sac, 16094 Sims Court Southeast as well. But a lot of hot deals this morning. Lake properties, uh, townhouses, uh, six-bedroom homes in Cocado. We got a lot of cool stuff for just about anybody here. Right, a uh, uh, resort up on Mille Lacs. With the uh, the other yeah, one up there in the north side of Mille Lacs. Yep. So, if you guys have any questions on these hot listings or want to get more information on any listings out there, you can certainly feel free uh, to reach out to us here at Minnesota Home Talk. Just go to minnesotahometalk.com and uh, you can uh, set up your own custom home search or you can connect directly with us through the website as well or any of our fantastic partners. And so, if you are looking for uh, if you're looking for a guy. And it's anything, guy or gal, and it's anything dealing with real estate, Minnesota Home Talk is a great resource. So if you're looking for um, a remodeler, um, we have Bella Remodeling and Roofing. Uh, If you're looking for some financial advice, we have Todd Rooker. Um, If you are looking for a financial planner, we have uh, Josh England with Nepsis Capital uh, Management there. Uh, Credit Repair, we have Credit Life. Uh, we have trademark title, Urban Landworks for landscaping. We got home inspections. We have simplified insurance planners. Hey, I know them. You do? Yeah, I know. I'm a little little familiar with them. Little familiar there. Actually, Evan is our uh, our preferred insurance agent here through Simplified Insurance Planner. So if you got insurance questions, definitely call in and stump him. We'd like to see him sweat a little bit in the mornings here. Um, EKJ appraisals, trend home staging. I mean, you name it. If if you have a, a need for anything dealing with your house, we definitely have the best of the best um, on our website. So go ahead and visit us at minnesotahometalk.com, and all our preferred partners are right on the left-hand side there, and you can connect directly with them. Otherwise, we do have uh, an Ask a Question button. Literally anything and everything dealing with real estate, mortgages, credit repair, home insurance, anything and everything, you can literally just ask us a question. When you go on there, you can submit your question to us. It goes directly to me and Jason, um, and we will either answer your question or we will direct you to the correct person who can answer that question. So again, minnesotahometalk.com, your number one resource there for anything dealing with uh, real estate. Okay, phone lines are open, 651 647 2910, that's the call-in number, 651-647-2910. And you can also text your questions to 612-202-8321. Text line again, 612-202-8321. We're giving away two pairs of T-Wolves tickets uh, for the best question this morning. So the best question uh, via call or text uh, is going to win those uh, T-Wolves tickets from us. Again, the call-in number, 651 651- Six four seven two nine one zero and six one two two zero two eight three two one. All right, Kelly. The question the question here of the morning is: We've all kind of heard that the market has slowed down, yes. right? But w- but what does that what does that mean? Does so, that mean my house is going to sit for ninety days <laughs> if I try to list it right now? No, we're we're at inventory numbers that if if you're. If you're pricing your home correctly and marketing it correctly, you're still going to get great offers. A great offer, multiple offers. There's still that more than that potential out there. So, so when we're talking about maybe a market slowdown, generally in Minnesota, we're talking about scaling down a little bit. So, um, if you're tapped into that sentiment that uh, oh, it's the market slowing, well, 
we literally had situations over the last few months where there were, I mean, 20 offers on homes, even past within like 24 hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the expectation into the spring and summer was that we were going to be fielding multiple offers on basically any type of property. And and we're going to be selecting for multiple offers within two to three days, if not sooner. That, that was kind of where we were at because we had great rates and we still have great rates. Right. Um, but we had very, very low inventory. And when you have motivated people coming out from their caves in the wintertime in the spring, and when you got to move before school, well, th- that's going to be a natural point where it's going to be the most kind of action. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about slowdown, we're not talking about slowdown in a traditional sense. We're talking about maybe a little bit less of that. But um, recent listings I've had, I have nothing that's come in below list price, mostly above list price. Uh, really great seller terms, selling under a week. These are still great times to be a seller here, and especially um, if you if you mind your market and you market effectively and you really highlight some of the the great parts of your home. Yeah, you're going to be in a spot where you have a lot of showing activity, and you're going to have at least one, if not workable, offers with really really good terms. That's what we're still seeing, and it may not be the 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 murderer's row that you got to clear out of your house for the whole week and you have fifty showings in two days, but uh, there is still a substantial qualified buyer pool there to support. Really, really nice terms for sellers. And from a buyer side, too, I mean, it's it's not always the worst thing to be able to kind of get a home near list price instead of having to go 75 grand over list either. So I think it works both ways, too, that the market is at a spot where it offers really nice terms for sellers as well as allows uh, buyers to enter the pool right now, too. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing more offers now compared to like the spring and early summer. Mm -hmm. More offers now where... You can get a home inspection, which was a luxury this which, year. W- yeah, which was not common. I mean, this this spring market that we had, the spring and the early summer market we had, was the craziest market I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. With multiple offers, which the amount of offers coming in, the uh, the amount of uh, the dollar amount over the list price, and then what buyers basically removed as far as contingencies go on their offers to the seller to get their offer you know chosen so people were removing inspections people were making earnest money go hard right away yeah. right so it's like hey i'm into this thing and if i'm not you're just going to keep my earnest money i'm not going to ask for it back type of deal mm-hmm. so there was a lot of stuff like that because that's what you had to do in order to get your offer accepted by the seller um we have a similar market now but it's not as crazy now you can make your offer you're probably still going to go over list price, like you said, as a buyer. Yep. But now you can get a home inspection done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I am actually saw, I got two purchase agreements that came in this last week where the seller's actually paying closing costs. Yep. You know, some closing costs. Not all of them, but a portion. That was basically, ex- that was basically <laughs> extinct all the way up until now for Sa- this year. Sale contingencies, too. So, so one of the biggest things that I, I had clients, because people are normal, and they need to sell their current property before they can move into another one. They need to access that equity, right? And that was an impediment over the spring and summer. So you either had to go out and qualify for a totally second mortgage to be able to make it work because if you have 10 offers and you're the one carrying a home sale contingency, it makes it really hard. But now those traditional sellers that want need to sell and buy and they need to use the equity from their first house, we're seeing more success now in the last month or so and kind of projecting forward, which is a great opportunity if you're somebody who is listing and buying because I talked to so many people in the springtime that were saying, we'd love to sell. We love the price that we can get, but we just don't have enough liquid cash to to do this. And we can't be homeless because most people can't be. You can't take three kids and two dogs and a cat and 
a 2,000 square foot house full of stuff. Right. And, and just go into grandma and grandpa's house. That doesn't work either. So the the market stays strong, but there's also accessibility for, I would say, more traditional home sales with home inspections, um, with sale contingencies. Uh, if you need a little bit of help in closing costs, this is a time that you can access that and still get some great properties, too. Yep. Yep. I would agree. And the thing is, too, let's say let's let's talk about over the list price because sellers yep. are hearing this and be like, OK. Maybe I should maybe I should wait till the spring then, right? I'm thinking yeah. about selling now, and but now maybe I'll wait till the spring because maybe next spring is going to be just as crazy as last spring was, and I can get a little more for our house, right? But you're still saying that if you list a house now and you price it appropriately, mm-hmm. you're still probably going to get over list price as far as offers go. It, anecdotally, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. So we're going in, and just because of a couple of different things, right? Because the market was so strong in the spring and summer, that has lifted the appraisal values and lifted the market values up. So you're enjoying some of the same pricing structure that we saw in the spring and summer because the, those home sales that have been going on over the last four or five months have brought the market value of the homes up. So, you, So you're starting out with those houses that sold way above list price, but that's the new norm, right? That's what the houses go for now. Right, right. So so you're enjoying that, which is basically the same thing that would have been done or pretty similar to what have, what would have happened if you would have listed in February and March. But we're still seeing when you price even towards the, maybe the top end of your range and your kind of comp range, we call them comps when we go out there. It's like what similar houses, similar floor plans in the area have sold, what is the realistic pricing going to look like for that? Well, the realistic pricing has been increased dramatically over the last six months because of the market activity. And so you're starting there. And we're still seeing really nice seller terms above list price. And, and, and people, too, going through are, are being really reasonable with their inspection requests. They're being really reasonable with some of their terms. All of those things that set the precedent over the spring and summer, they don't go away. That's, that's a new market landscape. And we're kind of building off of what's happened over the last four to six months. And, and so those sellers are really... We don't know what's going to happen three or four months from now. We don't know what's going to happen with rates. We don't know what's going to happen with any number of things. But right now, it's still an outstanding time to enter the market as a seller. And just that's what I'm seeing. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, on the buyer side, too, um, the other things that I have seen here is I've got a couple VA loans going. Yep. Which it was tougher to get a VA loan or an FHA loan accepted Mm -hmm. back in the craziness because... The offers, uh, if you're a VA buyer or an FHA buyer, the offers that you're competing against are either cash offers mm-hmm. or conventional financing offers. And in a seller's, in a seller's mind, the general norm is is that the conventional loan versus FHA and VA just has typically has less hurdles to get you to closing. Mm-hmm. So they're going to probably take a conventional offer over FHA and VA. But I've definitely have had more VA and FHA offers accepted lately. And so as the buyers who are out there, maybe they're out there in the spring or summer and they're making an offer and they're making another offer and another offer and another offer. Maybe you got seven or eight deep into this thing and just like, man, this is kind of exhausting. This market is now, it's just too competitive. I'm going to, I'm going to pull back and take a little break. Those buyers jumping back in at this point, you have a better chance now of getting your FHA offer, VA offer accepted. Now, as a seller, you're thinking, well, okay, well, so maybe now this isn't the best time again because maybe I'm not going to get a cash offer or a conventional offer. That's definitely not the case. Uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is now is for those people that got discouraged as buyers earlier this year, um, definitely throw your hat back in the ring because rates are still really low. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the market the market on the buy side is yeah you're probably still going to pay a little bit over list price because there's still going to be multiple offers but there are going to be probably less offers that you're going to be competing against and you have a much better chance at this point it's it's all about kind of scaling out right so so what what we were looking at and and this is going behind the curtain when we when we do this on the buy side where we're teaming up and and we're kind of you're you're going out there and you're adjusting your search and you're adjusting your expectations based on what you see what i see as a professional and what my buyers are seeing seeing what they're feeling we were looking at houses that were listed for 450 and we knew that that's a 500k house right so so like yeah. it it's it was totally a different scale we were looking at stuff that, and i think a lot of times what happens too is that you have people at higher price points that need to get into houses and in that type of market in the spring so they come down and kind of bully people and so they end up in price point houses that are lower than what they set out what because they want to they need to be the big fish in the pool to get the house because that's the only way to do it and and now you can attack a target price point a little bit more efficiently without if you're looking for a 400k house you don't have to look at 350 houses to come over the top of it yeah and you can just go after a, a house that's maybe a little bit more expensive a little bit higher quality because you're, you i mean you're able to use your approval amounts a little bit more readily and you don't have to build in mentally emotionally financially right. um that that you're going to have be playing with a 50k gap that you might not be as comfortable with but again i can't stress enough when you're listing houses we are basing your list price off of everything that has happened in right. the previous six months where the market's been great and those those have raised the market so if you're listing now you don't really have to be punching yourself in the head saying man i should have listed in march well you're probably getting a a really really similar purchase price and equity pull as if you would have listed then listed your house for 50 grand less and sold it above list price right yep i completely agree there phone lines are open 651-647-2910 feel free to call us with a question or any comments here join our discussion uh this morning we still have those two uh pair of t-wolves tickets to give away so the call in number 651-647-2910 you can also text us uh, this morning with your questions at text line 612-202-8321. Again, the text line is 612-202-8321. All right, so still a good time to list your house. Still very likely you're going to get multiple offers. Still very likely that as a seller, you could even get over list price. But we have a list here of 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. So even in a market like this, even like a market in the spring and summer, as we saw, mm-hmm. you can still do it wrong as a seller. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So these are 11 reasons here as to why your home isn't selling. So if you're a seller, you heard how crazy it was. It's like, man, I could probably you know, spray paint this thing pink on the outside and still sell it in two seconds over list price. Yeah, that's probably not the case. So these are 11 reasons that may be potentially why your house might not be selling. So... Number one, which is typically, you know, 90 to 95% of the cases, you overvalue the property. Yes. All right. Go ahead and talk about that. Um, there's what your house is worth in the market and what it's worth to you with all the, the feelings and the memories and, the, and, all the, and all the good stuff that you try to quantify as a seller, I guess. So, so the, you have to be open-minded and you have to be reasonable as a seller. And that's not to tramp dreams and everything, but you have to have a professional go in and look at comparable properties, understand where the market's at, and you need to price effectively. Again, when I always price and when I sit down, I talk about ranges. 
I talk about pro- like prime range, I talk about top range, and I talk about low range. And if you're really motivated, you go lower range, you're going to get multiple offers, you're going to be great. You want to target prime range because you're going to get a lot of showings, you're going to get activity, you're going to potentially sell it for above list with really good terms. And if you want to push it, you push top range. You don't say, okay, the highest comparable property was 575 so we're going to list it for 650 and see what happens. <laughs> right. Like It's one of those things where you are always going to see... You have personal incentive to see your house in the most flattering light possible because the end result is you make the most money possible. But you need to tamp. It's it's all about realism and dollars and cents talk. And, and what I try to go and tell people and what I'm sure we try to tell people collectively as an industry is you have to think about the buyer as well. The buyer doesn't want to give you an extra $100,000 more than your house is worth for the good feels because you raised your kids there or because you have this really cool, unique tiki bar in back that only appeals to one out of every four people. It, you, you just have to mitigate that risk a little bit and not not see your house in every conceivable best light. And then based on that aggregate, say, okay, it's worth an, an, an unsupportable amount more than anything similar to it, right. which happens. Yep. All right, so I, I have a follow-on question to this. All right. Do you think it's true... And you can disagree with this or not. Do you think it's true that people who are selling perceive their house, you know, like they want to sell, they perceive their house as being more valuable. But people who don't, like they're not in that mindset and market, they tend to undervalue their house. Because I do know that we've had conversations with callers on the air where they're kind of like, well, I guess we could maybe sell you know, mm-hmm. I don't really know what my place is worth. I bought it for a hundred grand ten years ago. And you're thinking Dude, your house is probably worth like three hundred fifty thousand dollars now, or whatever. And they just yeah. they they're not in that mind space. Do you, it, do you see that a lot? Yeah, I do. It, when you're getting ready to sell your house and you want to sell it, you're you're already making the case in your head for how much money you're going to make, and you're making arguments for every individual segment of your house. And when you're making arguments and you're arguing with yourself, you tend to end up winning the argument <laughs> and and end up to end up valuing that specific part of your house. So you either the, the goofy stuff or the unique stuff or the bad stuff, you pass away as insignificant and the things that are good or things that you find to be good, even if most people would think they're odd, you think are the greatest things ever and, and thus carry this massive additional cost value. And, 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 and when you're not in that mode and when you're just like, man, I've lived in my house comfortably and I like it. I've made some updates and bought it 10 years ago. And yeah, I mean, I never really thought about selling, but I guess for the right price, we could do something different. You haven't had those expectations. You haven't had those arguments with yourself. So you enter without six months of internet sleuthing, preconceived notions, um, all these transactions that happen in your brain when you think about how much your place might cost. You come into it with a blank slate, and you tend to be really pleasantly surprised because you haven't done that uh, arguing with yourself, let's I say. I think there's that other piece to it, too. You know, I'm having conversations with people on the insurance side of things, and I'm always explaining... I'm not really concerned with what your house is going to sell for on the mm-hmm. open market. That's not what insurance is. You know, obviously, when we get emails from Luminate and it's like, this is the loan amount and we want to have it covered and all that stuff, ultimately, the insurance company just wants to know if, you know, a tornado comes through. Mm-hmm. And the house is gone and whisked away to the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. How much will it cost us to replace that house, you know, stick for stick, frame for frame, panel for panel? And some of those things that don't add any value on the market do add a lot of cost. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like a built-on 
uh, built on deck that has mm. like a built-in hot tub and that kind of stuff yeah. can absolutely add twenty thousand dollars to your valuation on your insurance, mm-hmm. but it isn't going to add twenty thousand dollars on the open market. Yeah, you know, I know, I know, hot tubs are a notorious one where it's like <laughs> actually that can actually hurt your value if you've got an older hot tub. Mm-hmm. And the new the buyer goes, mm, we're not really interested in taking care of that. Can you haul it away? Yep. Yeah, I mean, true story. I mean, insurance. Yeah, the 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 valuation across the board from an insurance aspect, from a market aspect, mm-hmm. even on an appraisal, and what an appraiser can give you for value on certain things versus what the market will give you. Yep, three different things. Yep, for sure, can yep. be three different things. You know, right now our market is in pretty good alignment. You know, when I'm doing when I'm doing reports on this stuff and doing a the RCT valuation on what it's going to cost to replace the house. Should it be a total loss? It's generally pretty close to the market value these days. Sometimes it's, you know, 50 grand in one direction, 50 grand in the other, but they're not that far off. But there are markets where the cost to actually rebuild a house is significantly higher than the market price or significantly lower. Um, You know, obviously, if you're in a land crunched space, you know, like LA, where it's so difficult to find anywhere that hasn't been built on and, you you know, it's a full dare down and stuff, you know, the, the housing prices. Are crazy, you know. You're oh yeah, it's a 500 square foot, you know, Rambler, and yeah. we only paid 1.1 million dollars for it. What a deal! Yeah, right, only. exactly. Yeah, but the rebuild cost on that house is actually going to be pretty similar to here mm-hmm. because the actual lumber involved and the labor involved is pretty much the same. So those sorts of uh, calculations are obviously very different in a market like that. We're pretty close here, mm-hmm. but man, you know, I can definitely see someone in a different market. You know, somewhere where uh, the prices are a little bit more depressed, where they go, well, the insurance company says that my house is worth $450,000, and you're telling me it'll only sell for three seventy five. dollars I had that with a with a boutique. but we, I would call it a boutique property, um, where I, we had a, a friend that was an appraiser, um, and that friend that is appraiser did like an unofficial appraisal, and it, it came in much higher than market, and not because the place wasn't beautiful and wasn't a great house. It was just... The, the market for that specific type of property is a much smaller than like a two store, like a like a rambler within the first ring of suburbs or like a two story in the South Metro. It's just at some point, the market value and, and some of the things that we suss out for list price too are going to take into account, not just material quality location, how pretty it is, but also the type of property and what the appetite is for said property. And that's that's all part of the that's all part of the deal and that can be the again like you said part of the danger of maybe conflating these different type of perceived values right yeah absolutely so i i gotta i'm curious how many times have you run into this or what's your thoughts on this right so neighbor a few houses down Mm -hmm. very similar house same neighborhood same school district everything right yeah they list their house for x they get multiple offers and now let's say we're we want let's say we're three months ago Mm -hmm. they listed their house for x it sold. Let's say it was a three ninety nine, three ninety nine nine listing. Mm-hmm. They sold it for four forty. Yep. Okay. So now, now the neighbor here is looking to sell their house, and they say, "Well, we know they sold for four forty. Yep. So let's start at four forty nine nine. What's that, your what? Have you run into that? And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's. Every time when when we we talk about comp sales and your neighbor your your house is always worth 10 20 
30 grand more than your neighbor, right? Even if right. it's the exact same house. Right. Um, yeah, that was the price three weeks ago. Not- <laughs> it's it, you, you have to take it on balance. And that's why I tend to tear out things, right? So if, if my, my caveat for that person would be particularly if the other comps are landing somewhere between the, the 400 list price and the 440, like if that's the high comp and we're seeing smatterings within like a 410, a 425, a 419, a 395 for one that was particularly poorly finished. Um, that has to be part of the calculation. And we talk about kind of tiers and, and the expectation would be that you are going to be lucky to get that amount and you're going to likely have appraisal concerns because you're going above the very, very highest value property of that. So, so you're spinning the barrel a little bit and it's going to be reflected in what buyers think of your property. So, but that's a common thought process that you have to take things on the on the seasonal aggregate and not on I'm going to find the highest possible comp because there's no I always tell people too when we're listing there's even on the buy side when we go into multiple offers there is no legislating for somebody who makes an incredibly irresponsible decision and if there's multiples there might have only been literally one person there might have been somebody at 400 410 415 and one guy at 440 right right and and 440 is great you bite their hand off to take it but it's not an indication of what that house is worth. You just caught the the person who was making a, for whatever their personal reasons, was making a an out, outrageous decision regarding the market. So you can't use an outlier like that to, at, like, assume cost. Right. Yeah. Because the the downfall is is like, well, okay, so they 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 listed their house too low. That the mm-hmm. thought process is yep. they oh they started too low and they yep. they didn't get what they could have got for their house. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the thought process. Um, so, but you take that same person that listed for three ninety nine nine that sold for four forty. If they list their house for four thirty nine nine right away, mm-hmm. their house sits. They get no offers. They're dropping the price, you know, down to wherever they need to drop it to to get offers. Yep. And maybe they sell now for four ten instead of four forty. Yeah, and and that's the same thing too. That a, a lot of times, if you list your house low, the market will correct you. The market will tell you that your house is fifteen grand light, and you'll get an o- multiple offers with great terms for thirty grand above list price or five to ten grand above what you should have listed it for. Mm-hmm. If you list too high, the market corrects you in a, a much more discouraging and violent way, in a more harsh yes. way. Yeah, yeah, because in, in especially it's common sense, it's supply and demand. If you get a house that that sits for a little bit. Um, because you listed it too high, you, you the, the market's basically telling you that there's not enough buyers who value it at that level to support a sale at that price. And if you got great pictures and, and you got a nice house, there's only one one thing to adjust. And, and you want to, if at all possible, you want to try your best to capitalize the first seven to ten days on market. And and how you do that is just making sure that you're working with your agent to understand the the risks that going in at any particular level because it's a team effort right and, mm-hmm. and i think it's important to if you have an agent who's just saying yes to whatever and say oh the highest price point is 450 so let's go 500 and they go sure great good job they're probably just trying to get you to sign the contract and they'll deal with the mess later um or if you have somebody who's not uh considering what things have sold and is just telling you that that's worthless and you got to go way light and it's the only way to sell something because everything's terrible that person might not want to work very hard yeah. <laughs> and so they want to list it super low um it, you you gotta it's got to be a process where you you figure out what the 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 risks and rewards are at any particular price when you list it and yeah you know you mentioned if you're low the market will help correct you but there mm-hmm. does come a point from what i understand that if you're too low yeah 
you're just not going to get offers that would get you up to that number. You'll get more and more offers, but no one's going to look at a house and go, man, that's undervalued by a hundred grand. I'm going to make an offer a hundred grand more. They're going to be like, hmm, maybe we can get a good deal. And what, what what I've seen too, and, and specifically online, like, uh, and so I saw somebody who's talked about how they had a house listed for four days and they had a hundred showings. And they sold it for like $110,000 above list price. And my reaction was now, not wow, what a great agent that is. It's like, holy moly, did that guy remarkably underprice that he house. He way, way missed the mark. Way under, like terribly underpriced it. Yeah. And in and, and a market that was not so correcting at that time could have potentially put their seller in a position to really lose money. And more specifically... I, you don't want hundreds of people traipsing through your house in a field if you can help it. That's the other piece of that, too. Yeah, yeah it's great that we got 100 showings. It's not great that we got 200 people because it's probably a couple coming through there, you know, plus their agent. Yeah. You got two or three people per showing going through there. So we just had two to 100, 300 people come through well, our house in a few days. And doesn't matter how many people you show your house to, you're only going to sell it to one. Mm-hmm. Right. So at like some that. point, you've got to say enough is enough. Well, well, and what are you going to do with a house that if you price it a hundred grand light, what are you going to do with the twenty offers that are at your list price or five grand above? Right, that are eighty thousand dollars below what you should have listed it at. Right. That's not helpful. Like just saying that you've accumulated offers doesn't make any sense unless you have offers with appropriate price and terms. That like you'd rather have as an agent as a as a seller, you'd rather have two one or two great offers to choose from than one or two great offers and 10 bunky offers that are not re- reasonably competitive and now you've they're gumming up the works yeah exactly yep and it makes it more stressful the the volume of offers can be very stressful and confusing even for very savvy people it's it's a lot of pressure and if you can you remove as much of that as reasonably possible by again strategically pricing correctly not going again way high or way low or what have you yeah, phone lines are open, 651-647-2910. Uh, join our uh, our conversation here this morning. We're talking about 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. Uh, and so we just spent a lot of time on number one, which is you overvalued your property. But guess what? That's typically the number one issue as yes. to why your property isn't selling. That's why it's number one. That's why we spend a lot of time on it here. All right, number two, your listing is poor. What does that mean? Your listing is poor. <laughs> it, you know when people share the really bad Zillow pictures, like from like Kentucky or Maine or something, and it's just so they're so silly and ridiculous, and the pictures are so bad. I've seen some bad pictures in our market, and it blows my mind because most of them are really good, and then occasionally you see one that it looks like all flip phone, yeah, yeah, flip exactly. phone pictures. <laughs> it's, it's like they they have the point and shoot camera that they've been using since two thousand five, and it's mm. like, mm, yikes. The, or, or one one picture or two pictures, one oh, exterior, yeah. one yeah. interior, and that's it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. What In- does the back of the house look like? I don't know. Does it have a backyard? I don't know. In- <laughs> industry standard now is good professional photography. That's it. Yeah. And so if you have bad photography, it's going to hurt you. And it might not hurt you in a way that you can observe, but it can too. I I I compare I compare your photos your your photos when you list a house to like dating sites. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go on a dating site, your first date really is that person looking at you and your pictures you put on that dating site, and they're going to say, I have interest, or I don't, and they're just going to move on to the next one, or they're going to heart you or whatever they're going to do, right? And you're, right. now you're on their list. Same thing with buying a house. Your first date or your first showing is online, mm-hmm. and if you don't have good pictures, that buyer's going to be like, mm, nope, next, you know, swipe, and, and now you're off that buyer's grid for 
forever. They can't tell your personality. Let me let me bring that around right? back to By our that. hot listings. If you here, hold on, I'll pull them up on the stream. All right. You know when we're looking at, oh, I'm clicking the wrong thing. There we go. Website. Um, when we're looking at the hot listings that you guys bring us, they are great photos, and mm-hmm. it's everything that you're going to want to see about the house. You've got shots of what you see from the backyard, shots of the interior, shots of how the interior is lit, nice wide angles of the kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you look at some of these listings on Zillow, and it's, yeah, there's there's a whopping six pictures of this home. And it lists all these features in the description, and none of them are photographed. Right. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if you're lucky, it has a picture of the kitchen doesn't have a picture of any of the bedrooms because they didn't bother to clean the place yet. Yep. You know, uh, people aren't out. So uh, we can't stage it. We're busy. <laughs> We're uh, busy. You, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you compare it to something like this. And these are lovely photos that mm-hmm. really demonstrate what the home is. And they're going to help it sell. I mean, it's it's just a must. If you're serious about selling your house, it's a must. If you don't have good pictures, don't even bother. To, to be honest, that's my opinion. It's it, you. You're really leaning on offering outstanding price value or offering something that it, we see more often. I think we see give up photos when it's like an as is thing where yeah. the kids are selling grandpa's house that he didn't update for 40 years. And it's like, well, do you want, do you want the rambler on this lot or not? It's a hundred grand under list price, take it or leave it. Yeah. But if you, if you're, if you're entering a competitive marketplace, there's no sense in bad photos. Sil- another thing I see silly descriptions that are not, I mean, you don't need to be like trying to win an Oscar for your script, but you need to um, adequately and professionally describe your house. Oh, Lord, help me. Yeah. I see that so often where it's. Yeah, it, it don't want to be dopey. You don't want to be silly. You don't want to be a, a huge goofball. Like you can have that personality, but uh, people that haven't seen your client's home is not a time for you to to break out your sense of humor that your wife married you for. <laughs> like, like you need to be a professional and, and adequately. Uh, describe the merits of your property, and that's it. It's it's amazing to me how often I see listings that they talk about the charm and mm-hmm. you know all this other stuff, but they don't list things like they don't even have the basics mm-hmm. stuff like how big is the kitchen? Yeah, does it have gas or electric appliances? Mm-hmm. You know, like it it just it omits that, and they figure, well, you'll find out when you come and see the property, and it's like, well. I'm not going to come and look at it. Yeah, so. it's especially to you're marketing it for what most people are going to find attractive about it, not what you you like. Because uh, we get weird. Like we're all self-employed in real estate. Yeah, um, we can get pretty squirrely. Um, it, it's not my my squirrely uh, many years in the business sensibility should not take over. It's we we are mass marketing your property to appeal and to uh, make the argument that this could be for you to the most possible people. Yeah. And and with the strength of places like Zillow.com and Realtor.com and our individual agent and group sites that have this <laughs> poll that represents it really well, you're you're making an argument with your photos, your price, and how you describe the house. And and doing that accurately and, and, and capably is really, really important. Yeah, we're talking about 11 reasons why your home isn't selling, and the phone lines are open. We still have those T-Wolves tickets to give away. So join our conversation. Anything dealing with mortgages and real estate, any questions are welcomed here. Phone number is 651-647-2910. And the text line here is 612-202-8321. All right, 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. Number one, you overvalued your property. Number two, your listing is poor. Number three... You're always present at showings. Ooh, that's dude. I, I there's a reason why it's towards the top of the list because you shouldn't be doing it. 
right? How weird is it when you got a seller that stays in the house for the showing? It it doesn't go well. I can think of one time specifically that it was fine, and it's because the guy was his daughter was running late to pick him up and he was a guy who could not drive anymore. So he's really charming. He's and he was like, he wasn't there. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to hang out in my office here. If you have any questions, let me know, but I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Usually that's not the guy who hangs out in their showings though. It's trying to be too involved. It puts pressure on the buyers. It, it stops them from being able to speak freely yeah. and, and it, and it gives uh, it, it, it makes them feel uncomfortable in your house, whether your house is comfortable or not for them. I, I, I compare it to going on a date and having your parents there, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're going to go out to dinner and then your dad drove you there and he's going to mm-hmm. hang out with you guys too. It's just weird, right? You just, it, it, you just don't have any fun on that date. That's the same thing with buyers. You don't yeah. have any fun on that showing. You can't, mm-hmm. like you say, you can't talk freely. You can't really like picture yourself there because mm-hmm. you got, you got this person over here watching. Yeah. And the upper Midwestern sensibility means that you don't want to say anything negative about the house. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that nearly every showing we go on, like the TV shows will tell you, it's you walk and say, Oh, it's perfect. It's, it struck me in this. It's like, no, we go through the positives and negatives of every house that we're in, and then we make an intelligent, informed decision from there. And not being able to openly discuss potential issues or things that you might not like as much with your agent when you're there feeling compelled to not discuss that mm-hmm. um, w- will mean that that process doesn't bear out in a natural way, and it makes it tough. So yeah. strongly advise now. Uh, number four here on the 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. Number four, you're too attached. So it says here, if you refuse to negotiate every, uh, even a penny off of your price, then there's a good chance that you've become too attached to your home. It's it, people like negotiating with hardball, but it's not. We're, we're not negotiating like you're buying a puka shell necklace to an all-inclusive and like <laughs> off the Gulf. Like like this is your house. It's a big thing. It's not. It, you need to be prag. I try to prep people to be pragmatic and understand that we're we're working together to an end now. And you're you're assuming some amount of risk without being what my, in my professional. I will tell people in my professional opinion, this is not particularly, this is not the best route. And and what it should signal to you is that maybe you're not being reasonable. Yeah. So everyone, you gotta you gotta know that everyone that visits your house isn't going to feel the same way that you do about certain things. Mm-hmm. Maybe you maybe you built your own gazebo that comes off the deck mm-hmm. and you put your hard work into it and it's like the way you wanted it and you think it's the greatest thing and then someone comes in and gives you feedback of like, yeah, the gazebo's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or you know, it we be, don't even want that. It could be anything. That's, really. that's the one that I think that uh, a lot of people don't even realize is it's not, uh, it's, uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's the... Man, you know, as soon as you walk out, gotta tear down that gazebo. Can yeah. we can we make an offer where we ask them to to get rid of this other structure on the property and stuff? Maybe it's an old rundown barn, and maybe mm-hmm. it's this you know prized possession of there where that you know it's like mm-hmm. oh our kid was baptized in that gazebo. Yeah, it's exactly. a very personal thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I I I know of multiple people where it's like yeah, we intend to tear down like half the properties on this, and we can't tell the. The, the people that are selling the property because, you know, that's that's not what they want to hear. They've been living there for years. It's actually a good buyer strategy, too. If you're if that's your plan is to gut the house because it's so ugly and terrible, like probably don't share that in the process. And, and it, it's 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 you want to make sure that you have uh, you, you want to eliminate some of the contention throughout negotiation and like. It, but that's that's what our job is as agents too to kind of manage that feedback and flow and make sure that people are not receiving it. Pers- as personally offensive so so right. as to not 
um, get in the way of your otherwise sound decision making. Right. Or the way you painted your kid's bedroom. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did you see that paint job in that kid's bedroom? Oh, that was gaudy. You know what I mean? And like you're just like, we spent an entire weekend. We got it. Perfect. My daughter's what? favorite color is pink. She yeah, picked right. it out herself from yeah. the store. And right. Yeah. Some of the time, this is just obviously aesthetic stuff. You know, yeah. like my house uh, has these ridiculously painted bedrooms. And mm-hmm. if a real estate agent was going to walk in and say, we want to sell, you know, in a week, mm-hmm. repaint, yep. I'd obviously be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Some of the stuff, though, might have things that are, you know, tangential to that. It might be an insurance issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, wood burning stoves and outbuildings is like a very common one where it's like that causes issues. Mm-hmm. If we can get it underwritten, it's going to be very expensive, but it's very likely it can't. Maybe there's a title issue. You've got mm-hmm. to structure a, in a right of way or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's any number of situations where if you just if you just uh, walk up to the seller and say, yeah, I don't like it. We we got to do this. It's it, it mm-hmm. lacks that tact for getting things done. I, I call it sending a receivable message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, that's a, that's a good one here. We actually had a text question come in, so we're going to hit the text question here. All right. Uh, so the text question here says, how much does location on a busy street play a factor? It all depends on buyers. I have buyers work. So, so this is another thing when you're an agent, you want to make sure to not let your stuff pollute decision making. Because I remember specifically one of my clients was like, well, it's a busy road, busy road. And in like the second or third property, he just looked at me and said, I don't care. I grew up on a bit like a double yellow line road and I went to school there and his wife was like, yep, yep. We, we had an apartment or off a busy road. We'd rather be in the thick of it. It doesn't bother us at all. It's like, oh, okay. It would bother me a lot because yeah. I had kids on a busy road and it was super stressful, but that wasn't something there. So I would say for more buyers than not, a busy road is going to negatively infect the property. But if you have a really nice house, it's finished well and it has a reasonable setback and the area is safe. It, you you can be okay, but it will affect some buyers, specifically if you have a property that somebody with children would buy. Right. If it's yeah. a swinging thing in St. Louis Park, um, and it's for, obviously, it's a two-bedroom, one-bathroom that's beautifully finished, and it's walking distance away from all the stuff. Yeah, maybe not as much, but yeah, in, in Prior Lake, in, in a four-bedroom, two-story, yeah, that's gonna that could potentially make it sit there because it's the safety issue. My right. assumption is basically the further out you go from the heart of downtown, the more it's going to affect that yeah, choice. Yeah, because those buyers would be going out for a reason, and yeah. usually safety and space yep. are, are big reasons why they're moving out. So it's it's further down the list for a reason, but it, it, it can be a deal-breaker, especially for kids. Yep. Now, a busy road in the back, mm-hmm. right, where you maybe have a line of arborvitaes or trees and you got mm-hmm. a little buffer between there, probably not that big of a deal, right? Because right. you can kind of landscape and you can kind of reduce how much you see it, how much you hear it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. A busy road in the front where your driveway literally dumps onto a, you know, a, a, a four lane where it's two this way and two that way and yep. you got to mm-hmm. try to get out of your driveway. Every time you're pulling out, it's like I got to do a burnout in order to make <laughs> yeah, the right? speed of traffic and stuff. Yeah. D- different story there. You know what I mean? So yep. the effects of the where the road is located and just, I mean, it is situational. Um, like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be hardly anything, and it it could be quite significant. And this yeah. is obviously going to depend a ton on the buyer too. You yeah. know, some of like me, when my dad moved into the neighborhood that he's in now, the house was too quiet for me because I grew up on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul. Yeah, I was used to the buses driving by and all that stuff. Some people, if they're within three miles of the freeway, mm-hmm. they'll stand out in the yard 
and they go, can't buy it, it's too noisy. Yeah. It's like, you you go, what are you talking about? And they go, I can kind of vaguely hear the freeway, and yeah. I would never be able to sleep here. So that that standard of what a busy road is mm-hmm. and the proximity to it is very much an individual yeah. thing. And, and that's something that you should, that's part of, if you're listing the house, that's part of our process, that we talk about how that could affect in each individual situation. And from the buyer perspective, too, if you market it correctly on the sell side, People don't know that unless they look up the map and they're familiar with the area. And sometimes if you get people there and the house is great and the price is right, they'll they'll deal with that. But you don't want it to be obstruction on the list side. And if that is a huge concern for you and you're not as familiar with the area that you're in, your agent needs to do the work and make sure he's not driving you to a house when you don't like hearing traffic noise. That's a, a 200 yards off of 494. Right. Right, exactly. That was number five on our list here. Excuse me, number four. Yeah, number four on our list uh, of 11 reasons why your home isn't selling. So number one was you overvalued your property. Number two, your listing is poor. Number three, you're always present at showings. Number four was you're too attached. Now we get to number five, which is a big one. Uh, you haven't had your home professionally cleaned. Now, Kelly. Yeah. I I'm a I'm a clean person. Yeah. I don't need a professional cleaner to come in here. I'll I'll do it myself. Trust me. You'll it'll be clean. Yeah. How many times have you heard that as a oh, from every a time in fact. <laughs> and I would I wouldn't tell you that. I would say <laughs> bring them in, bring them in, um, bring them in, bring extra people. It's going to be worse than you think. So how so how many how what's the percentage of those people where you walk in and be like, "You know what? Nice job on cleaning." Like this looks like it was professionally clean versus if that's your if that's your definition this of clean, clean, we we yeah we got issues here. I, I would say probably two thirds of the home need a professional level clean, and about a third of the that your anal retentive people live in a in such a way that it's um, show ready or with a deep a deep personal like just spending a couple hours it could be show ready. Yeah, I, I would even say that, but it, but it's also a, a feature maybe of more the market I work in because I work out of the Southwest Metro a lot, so it's yeah. a lot of um, a lot of suburban stuff at a, at a certain price point, and I think. Uh, it just it just is easier to clean a suburban house. Like you run the vacuum out a little bit. It's, it's you're not, you're not bringing in a bunch of stuff from maybe a more urban area where it's like you can't just open the doors and blow my, everything out my and sweep everything out. It's also going to be how long the people have been in the house, how yeah. many kids they have, what they've accumulated. Yeah, exactly. How much yes. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. if you've only been in a house for a year and a half and you don't have any kids, it's very likely that you haven't had the kind of explosion of mm-hmm. oh yeah, uh, sorry, I haven't had a chance to clean off those crayon marks of that wall uh, the painters will come through you know like that kind of stuff it's it's, it's more the perception of it tends to be off Th- that's that's what it is it's just like being too attached to your things like people's perception of what is show ready clean and where their house is tends to be there tends to be a larger gap that is in reality and, and, and i always tell people too before showings like and before interior photos like i don't want to take them until you're done and if i'm worried about some people too I say, hey, I'm going to pop over and take a look and see how things are coming. <laughs> no, just take my word for it, Kelly. Trust me. It's mm. right. It's, it's clean. Good. We cleaned yesterday for yeah. an hour. Yeah. I, I think of my wife on this. You know, everyone's got their hot points, right? Mm-hmm. My wife's is the trim. Does oh, the yeah. trim. Is the trim dirty? Has it got dust on it? Yeah. Top ledge and stuff. You know, she like that's, you know, that's her trigger. She could walk into a house. It could be completely spotless, right? Everything to a T. And then there's. A piece of trim that's like hasn't been touched yet, mm-hmm. and she'll just be like, "Oh man, this place is dirty," and it's like, 
it's one section of trim over here that hasn't been touched, but that's just her thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And buyers, it's you never know what it is with buyers. It could be, could be this, it could be that. And people mm-hmm. have very different standards for houses that they're looking at mm-hmm. to buy versus yeah. where they're living. You know, Absolutely. when you live in a place, it's the it's the bringing a pot to a boil over time kind of thing. Yeah. You know, frog throw them in the hot water, it jumps right out, bring it to a boil with the frog in there. Well, let me tell you, my house was a lot cleaner when I when I finished my process of moving in mm-hmm. than it is the day to day. Yeah, and I think that that's true for most people, where you just go, well, we can leave that on the counter in the kitchen. You know, we use that pot every other day. I'm not going to bother to you know. Yeah, and, and put sometimes it in the back. It's, sometimes it's not even clean. It's to your point. It's clutter. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. It's stuff. Just it's too much stuff. It's less that your carpet is gross or that you have a food spill from two months ago that you haven't cleaned up and it's starting to smell like there's toilet rings. Like it's less of that and it's more we use this stuff all the time, right. but it's it, it makes the house look untidy. It You're, goes it goes hand in glove with why you hire a professional stager. Mm-hmm. People don't live in stage homes. No. Right. Most people. There right. are some out there that manage to make that life work. I never could. <laughs> Yeah, you got coffee maker, you got toaster, you got waffle maker, you have knickknack stuff. Like your mm-hmm. countertop space is completely covered. Right. Not that's Yeah, you might use it every single day. It's functional for you cuz you don't have to mm-hmm. take it out, put it away, take it out, put it away. But that's not what you're going to want to do in that Going situation. Going back to we were talking about great photos. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that the trend with great photos is there is nothing on the countertops in the kitchen. It's demonstrating the whole thing. Yep. Maybe there is the coffee maker in the corner, but like literally there are no there are no pots and pans. There's yeah. no microwave. No nothing that's actually sitting on the countertops. Charging stations for yeah. like phones. Yeah. And you got cords. I mean, you know what I mean. We got Your like little one. Alexa speaker and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. all that stuff there. So let's talk about smells because smells I think goes along with the professionally clean deal. Yeah, let's talk about it quick. How, we're almost done. Yeah, we got a couple minutes here. But smells. How big is like the wrong type of smell or a bad smell? It's enormous. Right, it's it's one of the biggest individual, maybe the biggest individual defeater of buyer side showings is if the house smells like like a specific spice or food. Um, if it smells Pets. like mold, if it smells like pet odor, any it, it, people will turn around and walk out of a beautiful house. That's exactly right for them because of the smell. Yeah, don't be it's that person. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We did not get through our uh, full eleven <laughs> reasons here, but we're going to tackle them next week. But we thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us at any time this week uh, or any week, uh, visit us at minnesotahometalk.com. Uh, we have a list of all our preferred partners there, and uh, you can connect with Jason and I 24-7, 365 at minnesotahometalk.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. All alone, take me to your heart, fill me in your bones, just one more night, and I'm expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500.